Good evening. All right, good to see everybody out tonight. Um, <clears throat> I may have oversold uh, last week's promise that this would be the greatest message you ever heard. How many of you are out tonight because I specifically made that promise to you? Pastor Lee, yeah. Uh, well, I ain't hugging you. So, <laughs> um, uh, We've had a little technical difficulties tonight, so I'm not able to print out my notes and all that kind of stuff, so forgive me if I'm a little wonky with how everything looks, uh, if it's not so smooth. Um, how many of you are good liars? David? Okay, at the back. Take note, everybody. All right. Um, Pastor Lee, no? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are lying right now, and you're doing a very good job. Okay. Um, I'm a horrible liar, and you may think I'm lying just by that statement. I'm not. I really am a terrible liar. Right, Mom? Yeah, see? They wouldn't lie. They're my parents. They <laughs> But they wouldn't, Right? Anyway, um, I, I am a horrible liar. You, I, if you come straight up to me and ask me something, I am probably going to tell you the truth more than likely, or I just won't answer your question because I don't want to hurt your feelings or I don't want to get myself in trouble. But I won't lie directly. Um, my nieces, on the other hand, they are excellent liars. I think they're in a competition to see who can be the best liar. Um, they're little girls. My, my oldest niece... When she was a child, uh, my mother told her mother, my sister, told her, if you're in the tub, do not get out of the tub and use the toilet, right? But my sister goes in there, and, and she sees the water puddles leading from the tub to the toilet and asks my, my niece, she says, why did you go in there? She says, it wasn't me, right? It was, well, who else could it have been? It wasn't me. Uh, my, my younger niece she must be trying out for the Olympics and lying. I don't know. Um, she, she will lie about anything, even if she's not going to get in trouble for it. Uh, one day she came home and told her mom, Mom, guess what? Sally's sick, and they're going to let me do her part in the play. And my sister's like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, we'll make sure you do your line, get your lines right and everything. And then my niece says, just kidding. She just wanted to impress her mom for a split second. Right? And I think, I think we have that temptation too. We, can, we feel this temptation to lie, to compromise our integrity sometimes, uh, especially nowadays where it seems like nobody has integrity. It seems like everybody is taking the shortcut, everybody is compromising. And when we look at them and we say, hey, why do they get to do that and I don't? we feel the temptation to compromise our integrity. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, why should we keep our integrity, and how does that help us enjoy the blessings of God to the fullest enjoyment that God would have us enjoy them? All right? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis chapter 27. That's, that's the main passage that we're going to be dealing with. Uh, and it's the story of Jacob and Esau. Again, this is the third week in a row uh, with Jacob and Esau. And uh, th we've got a lot of 
text to go through tonight, so we're just going to hit key verses in this text. Uh, and we're going to see that we should pursue integrity so that we can avoid manipulation, escalation, justification, repercussions, but still have anticipation through all of those things. All right. Uh, join me as we, as we pray tonight. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for this opportunity um, to proclaim your word. I thank you for your word and for what's in it. And uh, Lord, I just pray tonight that, that as we come with our struggles, uh, with the reality that, that some of us are really tempted to, to compromise our integrity in pursuit of uh, just a seemingly better life, Lord, I just pray that you would use your word tonight to show us that uh, you have a better way and your way um, will always work out better for us if we stick to it. So, Lord, I thank you for that, and I pray that your spirit will work in our heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, just want you to watch this clip right before we start. So a final experiment that I want to mention to you is our fairness study. Uh, and so this, this became a very famous study, and there's now many more, because after we did this about 10 years ago, uh, it became very well known. And we did that originally with capuchin monkeys, and I'm going to show you the first experiment that we did. It has now been done with dogs and with birds and with chimpanzees. Uh, but with Sarah Brosnan, we started out with capuchin monkeys. So what we did is we put two capuchin monkeys side by side. Again, these animals, they live in a group. They know each other. We take them out of the group, put them in a test chamber. And there's a very simple task that they need to do. And if you give both of them cucumber for the task, the two monkeys side by side, they're perfectly willing to do this 25 times in a row. So cucumber, even though it's really only water in my opinion, but cucumber <laughs> is perfectly fine for them. Now, if you give the partner grapes... The food preferences of my capuchin monkeys correspond exactly with the prices in the supermarket. And so if you give them grapes, it's a far better food, uh, then you create inequity between them. So that's the experiment we did. Recently, we videotaped it with new monkeys who had never done the task, thinking that maybe they would have a stronger reaction, and that turned out to be right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece she eats. Uh, then she sees the other one getting grape, and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber, and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now. Gets again cucumber. She tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. So this is basically the Wall Street protest that you see here. 
We don't like unfairness, right? Even monkeys don't like it when they're treated unfairly. Uh, and we're going to see in this passage that it's really unfairness that is started, that comes into play. It plays a big role in this. So the first point I want to make is that since we're talking about pursuing integrity, and, and I'm laying all my cards on the table right now at the beginning, I want you to pursue integrity as a goal. That's going to be the main point of this whole sermon. Usually I wait until the end to give you an action point or something like that. I'm just going to sow it throughout this whole thing, okay? So uh, we're talking about pursuing integrity. The first point is that we need to pursue integrity to avoid manipulation. Pursue integrity to avoid manipulation. And the first point we need to see is that manipulation happens when we don't trust God. Manipulation happens when we don't trust God. And we see it in this story of uh, Isaac and Esau and Rebekah and Jacob. Uh, Isaac has decided that he is going to bless Esau. Isaac is at the end of his life. He's about to die. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to bless Esau. If we, if we look at verse uh, 4, these are the instructions from Isaac to Esau. He says, well, let's start at verse 3. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. All right, so what's happening here? <clears throat> See, Isaac knows that God gave an oracle. Two weeks ago, we talked about the birth of Esau and Jacob. Isaac knows that there's an oracle that the younger will, well, the older will serve the younger, right? This is a God-ordained proclamation that Jacob is to be the one who's to be blessed, not Esau. Isaac knows this, but what does he do? He chooses, he's trying to work around the promise. He's trying to manipulate the situation so that he can bless the one who he wants to bless. Remember, he loves Esau, because why? He like gets him food. Food, right? So Isaac forgets or disregards the oracle. Esau, he forgets conveniently or disregards the fact that what? He sold his birthright. He sold this opportunity for the blessing, but daddy's going to give it to me. I don't have to lose it. So he's a part of this whole manipulation as well. Now, there's even more manipulation in here as well. Uh, we see Rebecca and Jacob, they respond to this. Rebecca overhears this plan, and her and Jacob, they conspire to make sure that Jacob gets this. Uh, if we look at verses 6 and 7, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare me a savory dish that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. All right. Uh, so Rebecca and Jacob, they start this. They've got their own plan that they're hatching. Rebecca, she knows the oracle as well, doesn't she? Does she trust it? Mm-mm. She sees her husband manipulating this. He's about to die. All Esau has to do is come in with some food, and man, he's got the blessing. What's my son going to do? He's supposed to be the one to get it. I got to do something. I have to act. Jacob, 
right? He's already, we already know he's a little conniving little man because he swindled his brother out of his birthright. Of course, he's willing to join up with this plan. Um, so we see, we see another set of manipulation happening in response to the fact that they don't trust God. Jacob knows he's supposed to be the blessed son, but he's got to work. He's got to do something. He's got to manipulate this situation so that he makes sure he gets what's coming to him. Hmm. Isn't that how we respond as well, though? We see someone else who has compromised their integrity, and we say, hey, they're benefiting from their, from their actions. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. They're getting something that I'm supposed to get, and we're so tempted to, to act out and do something that we shouldn't do, all in response to unfairness that we perceive is going on. We think God's taking too long. We think God's letting something bad happen. Uh, and so we feel out of control. And we need things to work out for us. So we have to do something. Um, and this, this doesn't just affect us. This affects uh, pastors too, right, Pastor Lee? You got it. The temptation to compromise our integrity. There was a... Uh, Two weeks ago, I told you about my friend and his wife and the troubles they were having. Uh, well, she worked at a church where the pastor had decided he was going to uh, plagiarize other people's sermons and not give credit to, to the people that he was quoting from, you know? And that is a big no-no, especially in the States, right? Um, and so, you know, he just decided... I need to do this. I need to do this to be successful. And a lot of times that's the goal for us, is to be successful. And so we end up manipulating people and the situation, and even we try to manipulate God in order to get what we want because we want it now. All right? Point number two, we need to pursue integrity to avoid escalation and justification. To avoid escalation and justification. See, the situation will always escalate. When we manipulate, the situation will escalate. Uh, Rebecca and Jacob, they know they have to start deceiving and telling lies in order to make it happen, the thing that they want to happen. Look at verses 12 and 13. Uh, Jacob understands the situation. He understands how everything is about to escalate. He understands his consequences are about to escalate. Uh, his lies are going to have to escalate. Rebecca is going to have to make promises that have escalated from, from what she was required before. Verse 12, perhaps, this is Jacob, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall be as a deceiver in his sight and I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Uh-oh, see, he knows this isn't, uh, Isaac, if Isaac catches him, Isaac's not going to say, oh, you little scallywag. You think you're, uh, oh, don't worry about it, buddy. I know you just wanted some blessing. No, he knows if he gets caught, this is going to be a big deal for him. And so the situation has escala escalated, and so his lies must escalate. Verse 13, but his mother said to him, your curse be on me. 
my son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. All right, so, so they've come up with this plan. Rebecca wants Jacob to go get some goats that they own and kill them and take the fur, and they're going to put the fur on his body to substitute for Esau because Esau was a hairy man, right? So we see all the lies that Jacob needs to tell. He lies about being Esau. And even when he gets to Isaac, he has to lie about his success in the field. This is what he says. Let's see. Right, verse 20. Uh, And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Wow. He lies about being Esau. He lies about his success in the field. And he even has to go so far as to bring God into his lie. Blasphemy. But what if Jacob would have let this play out? What if Jacob hadn't done anything and hadn't acted? How could this story have played out? Perhaps Esau would have received the blessing. Perhaps Isaac would have died before he could pass the blessing on to Esau. But what if Esau did receive the blessing? Couldn't God have found some other way for it to pass to Jacob if Jacob would have been willing to wait? Of course. Perhaps as Isaac is speaking the blessing, God causes Isaac to bless Jacob instead of Esau. We've seen this happen with Balaam, right? Balaam was hired to curse the Israelites, paid off, but when he actually spoke, all he could do was bless them because that's what God wanted to happen. And so this is what could have happened if Jacob let it play out. Now, we look at ourselves and we see escalation happens with us as well. Our situation escalates. We have to start covering our tracks. We have to start going back and thinking about, well, I lied to this person and they know this person and they know that I didn't do that, so I got to go lie to them and I got to, right? We start getting this whole kaleidoscope of connecting points of lies that we have to make up just to cover our tracks because we know the situation has got more complicated and there's going to be even greater consequences. And the longer we keep this up, the greater the consequences are going to be. This is why we pursue integrity. Uh, speaking of our, the pastor at that church, he was actually a DTS graduate. Uh, so this is a temptation for us. It, he justified why he was doing what he was doing, right? We're all on the same team, Right? Right, Pastor Lee? We just want everybody to grow. So, hey, why don't I steal some of your sermons? And, you know, you did that work, but I need to preach this Sunday and I need something to say. So I'm going to say what you said and pretend like it was me. Hmm. Right? So we're all on the same team. doesn't matter. But he also said, you know, it just made for smoother communication. Why should I have to stop during a sermon and say, well, so-and-so said this, and now I can get back to the sermon. See, see we start justifying it. Um, and, and it was all for the kingdom, right? It's all for the kingdom. See how he brings God into it? See how bring, we bring God into our situations? 
See, we make excuses to justify our manipulations and our lack of integrity. What do we do? We, we start getting really technical about it, right? Ooh, he didn't say this word, he said this word, and so I can get away with it, right? It's like the teenager saying, well, mom, you know, you said be home by 11. You didn't say a.m. or p.m., right? And so they come home at, in, in the a.m. instead of the p.m., which everyone knew the parent meant, but because we get technical, we make up excuses and somehow make it okay for us to do the things that we've done. Uh, we complain about fairness. We complain about fairness. We say, oh, they were being unreasonable. There's no way anyone could expect me to follow uh, their rules or to do what they asked me to do because it's just so unfair what they were asking me to do. That's an excuse. That's not an excuse to lie, to compromise your integrity. If you think they're being unreasonable or unfair, you tell them, hey, I think this is unreasonable and unfair and, you know, take whatever action you think is the best action to take, but don't say you're going to do something and then not follow through on it. You've compromised your integrity. Uh, another popular one is what? We're not hurting anybody. We're not hurting anybody. It doesn't matter. You think you're not hurting anybody, but eventually it comes back. Uh, and then the, the big one is, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. Um, <clears throat> see, eventually, our justification brings us to the point where we make God responsible for our sin. Because we've convinced ourselves that he approves. But if we do that long enough, eventually we get caught. See, we live in denial for so long that, that we convince ourselves, yeah, this is, this is what God wants. God would want this for me. God would want me to be happy. Right? Hmm. But we know that if we are believers, eventually our sin will find us out. Eventually our sin will find us out. Uh, last week I told a story from 1776. This week I'm telling a story from 1799. Okay? Uh, I like to keep it old school, I guess. Uh, there, was a, there was a ship, an American ship named Nancy. Mm, so you know it's trouble, right, Pastor Lee? <laughs> um, but the British, it was in Jamaica off of Port Royal, and the British suspected it of having contraband on it, and so they boarded it, and the captain of the ship, uh, he threw all the, the cargo overboard, and he threw the, the papers of what was on the ship, he threw that overboard as well, and replaced it with a new set of papers that he had prepared just in case they got caught, right? So he threw everything overboard, but the British boarded them and, and suspected them of something, so they arrested them and took them to court. And on the day of court, uh, they were about to be acquitted. The captain of the ship was about to be acquitted when another captain came into the court with the papers, the original papers of the Nancy, because they had harpooned a shark that day and found the papers inside the shark. This is now known as the shark papers they are literally in Port Royal, in Jamaica. You can go look at them if you want to. You will get caught if God has to put a shark in the water exactly where you are sinning. You will get caught. Hmm. Right? So what would happen if we acted in integrity instead of trying to make up for God's apparent mistakes, right? Like Jacob, 
God could have worked that situation out for Jacob without Jacob needing to manipulate and deceive. He can do the same for us. All right, point number three, pursue integrity to avoid repercussion. We've had manipulation, escalation, justification. Now we've got repercussions. All right. Uh, Jacob's deception works. Jacob gets what he wants. We look at verses 28 and 29. Isaac has decided to bless him. This is the blessing that Isaac lays on Jacob. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. That's a heavy-duty blessing. Mm-hmm. See, this blessing makes it clear that the promises of Abraham have been passed down to Jacob. A lot of this wording is very similar to the blessing that God gave Abraham, and now it's been passed on to Jacob. So Jacob has gotten what he wanted. But getting what we want does not mean that God favors us. does not mean that God approves of the way we got it. See, because he gets what he wanted, but he winds up losing. He gets what he wanted, but he winds up losing. See, because guess what? Esau finds out. Esau finds out. Verse 32, uh, Esau has come back in. He wants his blessing. And Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate all of it? Before you came and blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Everybody is enraged. Isaac is angry. Esau, we see later, wants to kill his brother for what he has done. Jacob must flee. Jacob must run and get as far away from this place as he can. We see a family devastated, broken down, torn apart by favoritism and a lack of integrity. We see a father who never sees his son again. A mother who loses her favorite son. We see a son who never sees his mother and father again. And we see brothers who are separated by anger and hatred for 20 years. 20 years. Do you know any families like that? That manipulation and deception and lack of integrity have caused major rifts so that people don't even speak to each other anymore. 
our, our DTS pastor friend, he eventually got caught. Uh, he tried to convince everyone that he wasn't plagiarizing, but there was too much evidence. The damage was done, and he was fired. Uh, see, because the situation was affecting more than just himself. It wasn't just him uh, doing something and, you know, trying to teach other people. No, there were other people's reputations involved. There's the reputation of this church that was uh, well-known throughout the community to say that there was a cheating pastor, you know, a, a, a stealing pastor, a pastor who couldn't preach his own sermons on Sunday morning. No, see, that spreads. That affects other people. Our sin never affects just us. There are always going to be other people who are infected by our lack of integrity. Uh, as a contrast to this pastor, I had a mentor who I was lucky enough to be visiting him uh, in Tennessee, that, and he'd been, this was, this was the last sermon he was going to be preaching at this church. Um, and as we were riding to the church that day, he said, you know, Terrence, this, this sermon, this, this feels like a solid double. It's like a solid double, you know, like single, double, triple, home run. He felt like it was a solid double, you know. And uh, one of my professors at school, he says, most of the time, you're going to be hitting ground balls, and they don't even get through the infield. Your sermons are just going to, you know, they're not really going to go anywhere. You're not going to hit a lot of home runs. But we rely on the Spirit. We trust the Holy Spirit to be faithful to us as we were faithful in our preparation, in the, in the ways we went about doing what we do. And it's the same thing. It's not just for preachers and pastors and, you know, it's for all of us. If we are faithful in the way we do something, we trust God to honor it. Even though it may not be the most successful thing in the world, we know that we acted in integrity. And we trust God to take care of the outcome. We finally see uh, Rebecca. Rebecca even has to use manipulation to get Isaac to send Jacob away. Look at verse 46. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. These are Esau's wives, right? If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I'd rather die than have to deal with another one of these women. Oh, my goodness. But this is all manipulation. Again, this is manipulation between Rebecca and Isaac. This family is so dysfunctional. See, she doesn't want to know Isaac. She doesn't want Isaac to know that it was her scheme, right? Because that would have undercut him. She uses the excuse of Esau's wives. Uh, this family's communication skills are totally broken. Husband and wife can't talk. Brothers can't talk. Mom and son can't talk. Dad and other son can't talk. This is just dysfunction and devastation. People can't talk to each other, and there's no integrity in this. All seems lost. This family is broken. They don't talk. One son is going to kill the other son, so that son has to run away and be sent away by his dad. All seems lost. I was just reading today uh, 
There's a reason why every movie you see nowadays feels the same. It's because everybody is working off this, the same screenwriting handbook that was written in 2005 or something like that. And uh, one point in this story is that there needs to be a point where all hope seems lost. There, in a good story, there needs to be a point where everything seems like it's hopeless. And we've got that in this story. It's a good story. And it doesn't have a happy ending, but it does have a hopeful ending. There is hope at the end of this story as we move into chapter 28. We should pursue integrity with anticipation. Pursue integrity with anticipation of God's goodness to us. Even through our manipulations and our escalations and repercussions, we can still anticipate God being good to us through this. Verse 28 Uh, Chapter 28, verse 4. Verse 3 and 4. This is Isaac speaking to Jacob as he sends him off to go find a wife. He says, And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. In spite of Jacob's manipulation, in spite of all the consequences that he has to face, in spite of the fact that his brother wants to kill him, Isaac sends him off to go fulfill the promises, to go find that wife through which the descendants of Abraham will come and eventually produce Christ through that seed, through those descendants. We see the anticipation of grace through all of the mistakes that are made in this family. And just as a fun side note, remember how Rebecca said, curse be on me? What does she say when she goes to send Jacob off? Yeah, verse 45, verse 44 and 45. And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subdues. She's sending him away. Until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Boy, things escalated quickly. I don't think, I don't think Rebecca anticipated Esau going insane like that. But her promise was broken as well. She couldn't fulfill that promise. And so through our manipulation, no matter what stage we're in, whether it's manipulation or escalation or justification or repercussion or anticipation, we can pursue integrity. We can pursue integrity even after we've messed up. There is always an anticipation of grace. And so... Tonight, specifically for us, and specifically coming out of this context, we need to pursue integrity in our families, specifically in our families, husband to wife, brother to sister, parent to child. Pursue integrity. Avoid those manipulations that we are so good at. We know what it takes to push each other's buttons, don't we? 
But that's just all manipulation. That's all trying to work the situation so we can get what we want because we don't trust the character of God. We don't trust that God has integrity to act faithfully toward us. So we can avoid the manipulation and escalation. We avoid all of that as we pursue integrity because we trust God to be faithful to his promises. There's four questions I want to end tonight with. Four questions about whatever situation you might be in where you are tempted to compromise your integrity. First one. Do you want to say that God did not want something for you? God did not want something for you, but you tried to get it anyway, and you suffered. You didn't get it, and you just suffered for it. I don't think any of us want to answer that question. We don't want to answer it and say, yeah, I want something that God doesn't want for me. No. Or do we want to say that God didn't want something for us, but we were able to manipulate the situation to get it anyway? No. Do we want to say that God did have something for us? Just like Jacob, God did have blessing for him. But we manipulate it to get it before we're supposed to. We manipulate the situation. We manipulate people to get it before we were ready for it. No, we don't want to say that. But the fear is we're going to miss out on something. We're going to miss out. I promise you won't miss out. I promise God will Give what he has to you in the proper time. (laughs) Isn't it better to just let God work it out so that we receive it at the right time as we respond in obedience? I think so. Close with this quote. This This is called a cadet prayer. This is something that all the students at West Point, it's a military academy in, in New York. This is a prayer that all of them say on a Sunday morning. It says, make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong, and never to be contented with half-truth when whole truth can be won. Endow us with courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy, that scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. I hope we can pray that prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge to pursue integrity. And Lord, each of us has our own situation where it is easy to compromise. Father, I pray for each one of us tonight that you would strengthen us that you would remind us of your faithfulness to us, that choosing the path of integrity will always work out better for us so that we can totally enjoy your blessings at the right time to the fullest extent that we are able because we, we haven't suffered any collateral damage from our own manipulations and efforts to get what you have already promised to give us. Father, let us not sacrifice anything like Jacob for something that you were 
glad to give us at the right time. In Jesus' name, amen.